Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 198 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren. Hi, everyone. How are we today, Lauren? We're good. I think I'm going to do the entire show like this. No one can see what you're doing, though. <laughs> the beauty of podcasting. I'm curling my lip up, and I look a bit like a gopher. <laughs> sorry it's the witching hour of of our lives as as parents and i get to let loose a bit and that's how you do it and that's how i get my kicks (laughs) guys (laughs) when you become parents you um get your kicks from things like curling up your lip and talking like that for ages i don't get my kicks that way you don't no no I also have a cold at the moment, which is going to be a bit annoying. Yeah. I sound very nasally. And I have very much a throat thing going on. We're just great. Yeah. We're absolutely fantastic. But today, um, (laughs) none of that will matter. Because as we teased last episode, we are going to be talking about our Final Fantasy VII Remake E3 2019 predictions. Mm. (gasps) I know. It's going to be crazy. Everyone seemed to really like the last episode, though, where we talked about um, how we think they're going to do things. Mm. So that was really pleasing to see. Thank you for all your feedback, everyone. Yes, thank you so um, much. We actually have a lot of questions this episode, too. So we're going to try and integrate as many as possible into that topic. But we do have some other ones that we're going to cover separately. The plan is that we will try and get through as many as we can, but we'll see how things go. Before we get on to that main topic, though, we're just going to give some shout outs to our Patreon executive producers. And we're going to kick things off with Nahi Klabawi. Chris Morales. Then we have Zach Duranto at Z Duranto58. Michael Graham. Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Thurin Bullen at Massacre23. Tori Patrick. Fayez Bilal. Alex Ray Schneider at Alex Ray Schneider. Louis James. Rachel Casterdon at Urbion Ray. Mohamed Kayam. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Darren Matthews at Doomster73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Alex and Rachel Troutman at Akira Namejin. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Miles Ribbons. Rob Porter at Squirty Birdie One. David Calrow. Nick Moreland. Titanitas. Janik Naud at Janik Naud. Chris Pope at Dr. Pop181. And Freya Stella. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much, everyone. So... Our main topic, Final Fantasy VII Remake E3 2019 predictions. Mm. Very expansive topic, uh, Mm. but we're going to try and break this down into three separate uh, aspects. And the first one is really, what do we think they're going to show? No, sorry. No, no. Ignore me. Oh, no. When when do we think they're going to show it? Not what what they're going to show. We know they're going to show something, mm. but when are they going to show it? Like which press conference or whatever. Yeah. Are they going to do it before E3 completely? Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, we've we've seen that starting to happen more. They've just done the massive Death Stranding uh, reveal of the gameplay, like a massive eight minute trailer where they did the release date. Activision, as much as I'm loath to talk about it, have just announced the next Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, which is the same name as the first one. (laughs) (laughs) They're so creative. They've run out of games. After five games, they've run out. Although they didn't want to do five. Yeah. It's like, you know, Final Fantasy has 15. Technically, it's not the same name because the first one was Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. They ditched the number. Yeah. So original. Yep. 
<laughs> so what are they going to do now? Are they just going to go Modern Warfare 1, 2, 3, 4? I mean, it's a possibility. <laughs> and Mo, the, the big question for me, and apologies because many, I don't know how many of you guys even care about Call of Duty. I don't care about Call of Duty. <laughs> but Black Ops 4 is the latest one as well from what I understand. Mm. Are they going to renew that to just Call of Duty mm. Black Ops? Who Call knows? Of Duty Black Ops. Anyway, so back to what you were thinking. Very confusing. Do you, do you think they're going to announce something before the show in the next week? Um, well, I feel like with the Death Stranding stuff, correct me if I'm wrong, is that PlayStation exclusive? Yes. So with that in mind, PlayStation's not going to be at E3. So I'm guessing because of the exclusivity, that is why they're showing off stuff like that. And I feel like the stuff that's exclusively PlayStation or primarily PlayStation is probably going to show before E3 or I, I don't know. Um, I, w- I would say before E3. Yeah, because there's um, nothing else happening between now and then. Else. It's it's really strange though. Like I really, I always look forward to waking up in the morning and learning about the Sony press conference because that's what I care about the most. So it is kind of like a, I, I don't know. It's it. I'm at a loss, really. I mean, the caveat to what you just said obviously is that the Seven remake is still a PlayStation exclusive. Yeah, but. Square Enix have their own press conference. They do. They do. So I feel like they will show stuff through that. Um, Whether or not they'll show anything beforehand, I guess it will really depend on whether or not things get leaked. I guess the other thing as well is that um, we have no idea what the Square Enix press conference is going to be like. Mm. Because last year, if we all remember... (laughs) It wasn't a press conference. It was a live stream. But many of the publications bigged it up as going to be a press conference, which is exactly what has happened this time around again. Yeah. So I I don't know if they're actually going to have a press conference. Matsuda is going to come out on stage. They're actually going to have like a proper physical presence or if it's going to be another live stream. They mm-hmm. may have announced that. I haven't I haven't been paying too much attention, but I remember when they did reveal it, they were very ambiguous as to what it was going to be well yeah like they put it in the lineup with the rest of the press conferences which makes me think well they didn't they didn't i mean that's what i mean like ign did so i don't know i don't know what to expect anymore with them i mean it would make sense for them to be doing a bigger press conference because we know they're going to be showing off the marvel game yeah and so if they have the 7 remake and the Marvel game, that's a really big incentive. And the last time they did a big press conference, which was 2015, they had the 7 remake, they had Kingdom Hearts 3, they mm. announced the new Nier game, they announced I Am Setsuna, they had Tomb Raider, they had Hitman, they had Just Cause. They had a massive crap ton of games that they were going to be showing off at that time. Yeah. And Matsuda at the start of this year had pointed out the fact that they were going to be talking a lot about their products that they've got coming up because there's basically nothing announced at this point outside of the 7 remake the avengers project um crystal chronicles remastered and um the new game from tokyo rpg factory babylon's fall as well so that's five games the Shadowbringers as well um but <laughs> keep naming them all. but but like we don't really know anything release dates or anything outside yeah. of that there's no like all really we know big, is yeah. like things getting cancelled yeah like poor hideo baba yeah. But yeah, no. Uh so going back to your original question, when will Final Fantasy 7 be shown? I think yeah, that's that's fair enough. I think during the Square Enix press conference would be the best time. But 
again it's it's whether or not it gets it gets um leaked because they've just sort of responded to massive leaks recently didn't they there was the whole massive leak uh on reddit i think that uh detailed kind of what was going to be shown yeah um and obviously the uh the avengers project uh, details around that just got leaked as well by e3 themselves nonetheless <laughs> good job guys yeah um winning i i have a feeling that they will show something at the final fantasy 7 concert mm. uh namura generally likes to do that kind of thing like mm. when we went to the um the launch event uh for kingdom hearts 2.8 I yeah. think it was. Uh, and they showed off that exclusive Kingdom Hearts 3 trailer that they didn't show anywhere else. Yeah, I feel like he may show something that is like a behind-the-closed-doors tidbit look that maybe they're not actually going to show at the conference the next day. Mm. I feel like that's a possibility. Another yeah. another outlandish possibility is that it's no longer PlayStation exclusive. Yeah. Xbox conference. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, what are they going to show at Xbox's um, at Xbox's press conference? Because I would think that Avengers probably might be shown there. I would have thought so, yeah. And I guess, I mean, Microsoft may be unveiling the new console uh, mm. because obviously Sony have talked about theirs. If I'm honest, though, getting on that topic, I know it's a bit out of our realm. I'm really... I, I'm really concerned but also excited about what this avengers product is like what is this game going to be well it, the the initial thing is that it's a four-player cooperative game mm. um and that i mean there was there were games in the previous in a previous life around that with the marvel ultimate alliance which were fun mm. not really i wouldn't classify those as triple a games they were yeah. just kind of fun cooperative games i had i had fun playing them with yeah, my friends yeah, yeah um well didn't the wasn't that the one that broke your console no that was uh that was not a good game uh <laughs> never mind well it's definitely i not think now. that was the marvel uh kind of cartoon kids game Silly i can't marvel. even remember the name of it there are a lot of marvel games okay <laughs> but yeah yeah i just i just wonder what it's gonna be like i mean they well it obviously wasn't it wasn't square enix that came out with the spider-man game but like Marvel is kind of on a high from the Spider-Man game for video games. So it's kind of like they have a big, they have big shoes to fill. And it's being made by a good development team. It uh, is. You know, the Square Enix, even, even though Square Enix Japan hasn't really been having a good track record in terms of review scores uh, and critical praise, Square Enix West, the guys who work on Tomb Raider and yeah. Hitman, well, not Hitman anymore, uh, Deus Ex, like their games generally review well and are, mm. are, are kind of critical darlings, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Um. So there's everything to point out that the Marvel game will be good. Yeah, I hope so. It It's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting. But yeah, with Final Fantasy VII, I guess the thing is like what, what exactly they're going to reveal. Do you think that they're going... I mean, they're going to have to have like a proper trailer because they've only released like a one minute teaser. I feel as though, I mean, obviously it depends on the type of reveal they do within the conference. There's going to be probably multiple streams of information coming out. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they did something that Sony themselves like to do. And hopefully it won't be a uh, recurrence of the uh, Tabata and Matt Kishimoto uh, Titan battle. <laughs> but I think it would be... I don't think it would be too um, 
uh, too unsurprising to see a gameplay demonstration of some kind. Mm. Like a longer form, kind of like we just saw with Death Stranding, like a, a good yeah. eight, eight to 12 minutes of actual footage. So you can see, okay, here's an actual passage of gameplay. Here's how the mechanics work. Because obviously we saw a teaser trailer. They spliced loads of different parts together. It was really hard to kind of get a feel for how it all works and, and, and runs around together. Mm. So I feel as though what they when they do show it hopefully hopefully we will get a more substantial gameplay segment so we mm. can see things we'll be able to see how the story integrates with that because again there are so many question marks in terms of the cutscenes because yeah. we've we've just seen random pieces of snippets of fmvs we haven't actually seen okay so how does cloud interact with people when he's walking around in the world yeah like how does he talk to people will people just randomly talk to you um, people are really concerned about the Eris um, interaction initially because obviously in the original game it was a bit more of an optional thing to talk to her about uh, buying the um, or wasn't not an optional it was just an option whether or not to buy it. Yeah, and obviously depending on what you chose, it had it had an impact on something else in the game. A relationship. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's sort of figuring out how long the this episode will be like what it will go until i mean obviously we won't get a clear-cut answer on that we may we we may may do that and i feel as though my hope is that namura if if the game is going to come out within nine months realistically uh i mean it may have been delayed based on that financial report but hopefully it comes out within the next nine to twelve months if that is the case they need to start revealing that kind of stuff like mm. they need to start saying how long is the first part going to be the estimation is that it's going to be between 30 and 40 hours mm. because they've used that final fantasy 13 benchmark um but but who knows yeah. like we need to actually start getting that kind of information where's the cutoff point like what what kind of stuff are we going to be talking about in this remake yeah and, and I, start seeing other places because at the moment we've pretty much just seen sort of the midgar um initial section yeah. with the shinra um um, um we saw a macro I, reactor that you go why am i not thinking of words tonight i'm just lost um but yeah um the mecha reactor we've always we've been doing a lot of the bombing missions that's what i was looking for the bombing mission stuff i want to see like sort of some of the wall market or if we are going to explore outside of it we saw a sewer yeah and Ooh. we saw a bit of the uh, graveyard i think no maybe uh, there is a there is a bit obviously where they were fighting in the train tracks. Mm. Um, but then it's just like, yeah, like maybe seeing if we're going to have um, a gold saucer or something. Like I just want to see more. I want to. I want more. I damn want it. more. Damn it. I want more. Um, but I think a definite either reveal this time or reveal for TGS would be Tifa. I think that would be... I think, I mean, based on her kind of appearance within the teaser trailer, for me, Tifa Lockhart, visual representation and gameplay is is kind of a given. Like, they yeah. have to. Yeah. The other characters, I mean, I don't know when they're going to show those guys off. I mean, in terms of popularity, it would make sense for them to show off Vincent sooner rather than later mm-hmm. and talk about how that's actually going to work in terms of his acquisition. Yeah. Um, but I would love to see them uh, show off Red 13. Yeah. Because in terms of the chronology of the game, he's the next character you get at that point. Yeah. Um, obviously, Vincent, like Yuffie, Sid and all that, they, they they come a bit later. Yeah. Yeah. And Kate Seth as well. 
Yeah, I mean, that those guys, definitely, we want to see. Also, I mean, see more of Sephiroth. I'm wondering if they just might not show Sephiroth until much later down the line anyway. Because they've only really shown his back and, you know, he has a sexy back. But <laughs> I wonder, you know, because his scenes are so... Impactful? Yeah. And they're ones that you don't really want to give up all of your cards... Right well, I mean, the, the easy one they can do without doing that is the Sephiroth in the flames. Yeah. And just do, this is how this is going to look. Because we've seen it like so many different times now <laughs> in different iterations. Just it's show so off funny. that one and we'll be happy. We've seen, yeah, like you've seen it in the original. We've seen it in Crisis Core. We saw it in Advent Children. Like, yeah, this is another, yet another chance for us to see sephiroth in yeah. flames yep so someone unrelated but um someone on our discord moogle 890 had a question and uh they asked do you think they will explore story elements and areas they wanted to within the original that got cut due to time limitations i think that's actually a really good question uh, yeah. obviously i don't know if they're going to reveal that at this point but we do know that within the original game, they, they did end up cutting a lot of things. Like Vincent almost didn't make it. Yuffie also didn't make it. Mm. And they were real last minute additions to actually get them in the game. Yeah. Um, obviously, Zach was also last minute. But we know based on Crisis Core and everything that uh, Nomura and Najima had a real soft spot for Zach and they wanted to give him a lot more screen time. They just couldn't. So I think there's a possibility around that because... Nomura, uh, Najima, and I don't know how involved Kataze is going to actually be with the game, but clearly those three guys had a vision of the story they wanted to tell, and they would have been uh, kind of hamshanked to try and get it delivered on time. It's unlikely they would have forgotten some of the concepts that they wanted to put in but couldn't. So there is every possibility that in my opinion, that they will end up resurfacing some of those ideas if it makes sense for them to do so. Like if they can find a way to work something in that they couldn't get in the original version of 7, but now they can, I think, I I don't see why they wouldn't do that. Yeah, I mean, it would be cool. It would be giving it an extra little bit of oomph that will separate it from the original. Because that's the thing with these kind of things. Like I'm, I'm getting... It's it's funny because like Daryl hears me sort of moan about it all the time, and he's probably just tired of me moaning about it. But like the Disney remakes, the the live action remakes, like to me, like it's it's fair enough if you if you like them, that's fine. Um, but for me, I just feel like they're like lukewarm karaoke versions of the original, of the original film, like word for word pretty much like so much of the script is the same the songs are the same they try to just kind of do the same thing for fear of either messing it up or just because that it's lazy writing because it's just a cash grab essentially with final fantasy 7 like i feel like they really have an opportunity to make it its own thing because it is this big huge remake yeah like it would be awesome if they can include new stuff or make things a bit more clear as well as especially with the translations because in the original um the translation was so bad like there was just so many things that they could have translated a lot better 
um, between the versions. And yeah, I mean... I think that's a really good point, actually. And it's something that Nomura has also kind of alluded to as well, that they they want this to be a game that stands on its own in in the year that it releases. Mm. Like, it should be a AAA game that reviews 90-plus in its own right. Mm. Not on the... not. It shouldn't be doing it based on the fact it's based on Final Fantasy VII. It should yeah. be doing it based on the fact it's the Final Fantasy VII remake. Yeah. And because of that, that's why they're changing the gameplay. And the fact that they are changing the gameplay makes me really believe that with the, when it comes to the story they aren't going to do what you just said like disney are doing yeah it's not going to be a word for word uh, reimagining of the thing it's it's actually a full-on remake that is using the original final fantasy 7 essentially as a spiritual successor mm. right that that's kind of how i see the the way it's going it's yeah final fantasy 7 is the base we're going to try and take as many of the core mechanics as we can like the characters the fact they use materia and those kind of things like a lot of the weapons their locations but ultimately how things play out yeah there's a structure we have to hit certain key frames as we go through the story yeah but everything in between is filler yeah like you, it, and you can do it however you want and you can add new character motivations as long as it still makes it so you hit those key moments and nothing really changes because of that like knock yourself out yeah i mean we already kind of see it with the interaction between cloud and Aerith um when she's trying to sell him the flower or give him the flower that whole sequence is completely different from the original yeah. like it's and, not the same script at and all. one of the things that people have noted within that specific scene as well is that they they may be looking to um give Aerith a bit more depth in terms of zach mm. because um some people noticed that when she was talking to cloud she wasn't actually looking at cloud she was looking at the sword um, which which to me like if that is actually the case and that's something they start building in that would be so good for the character development of Aerith because obviously it was very confusing in the first game because there's very few scenes where she actually even references the fact that Zack existed yeah like it's basically just completely sh- like put under the carpet swept under the carpet and I always felt that was really harsh on on Cloud mm-hmm. because she never talks about she never talks about it Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that in the seven remake that like those kind of things will be just ironed out, so that there's a there's a rationale as to why she doesn't talk about it, like and and we actually understand why. I guess that's the thing, like with how the graphics are going to be so updated, you're going to see nuances and little moments, exactly the silent moments, which we don't really see in the first version. You just see this sort of empty shell that just has these little google eyes and pixels it's just like literally nothing i love the scene where Aerith. <laughs> this is gonna sound horrible i love the scene where Aerith dies because <laughs> like sometimes sephiroth glitches and his mouth is just like sort of left open and it's so fun it takes you right out of the whole sadness of the scene but it just looks so funny to me whereas that's not going to be the case in the remake like if no. they if they had that then that would that would be really bad i mean i'm working on something at the moment around this kind of topic and i was i was looking back and i think that specific point you just raised is something that i'm really excited for mm. in the remake 
And that also sounds wrong because I'm excited to see sad moments. Yeah. But I just, I'm, I'm so, um, I, not, I don't want to say looking forward either because it's, yeah. like, no matter how I said it, it sounds really weird. I know. But like, so the scene with Dine. Yeah. For example, when he when oh, he commits so suicide, intense. that's going to be like even just watching it with the text based like terrible graphics by mm-hmm. today's standards, it's emotional. Yeah. And I like that's the kind of scene where I think in the Final Fantasy VII remake they have such an opportunity to make scenes like that so fantastic. Yeah. Because Barrett is a character who has a lot of backstory. There is a lot of pain with his character, and with the way that the seven the original version of seven was i feel like he doesn't necessarily get his due Mm. and i really hope within the seven remake that they they shine a spotlight on barrett and everything that his character had to go through and like they're obviously the relationship with dine is is basically the motivator like it's well it's not the motivator it's just as a circumstance and everything that happened from the the relationship they built up the fact they were best friends and then um they were they had the disagreement about shinra and then obviously shinra screwed them over um there's the symbolism in terms of they both lost the opposite arm yeah in, in the fight afterwards and then marlene ends up um going with barrett like they both lost their wives at the same yeah. time like there's so there's so much and then obviously when barrett sees dine again for the first time think assuming he was dead and 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 he sees that Dine is such a broken person. Yeah, and that's obviously some he could have gone down that route as well. Yeah, uh, but he chose not to. He chose to go down the eco terrorist route. Yay! Yay! Um, <laughs> as you do. But like I, I feel like there's it. They they have a real opportunity to build that scene up so much. Mm. But it also depends on how they're going to show it because obviously that that story gets shown in different parts of the game. Mm. Um. So. That, that and that's the kind of stuff that is is really interesting to me yeah. in terms of how they're going to do it because there is so much of an opportunity, especially with like the way things are these days with the voice acting as well. Yeah. Like it's going to be it's going to be so intense. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of character, a lot of side characters that people maybe ignored when they first played it originally that are going to come to the forefront now. Well, I mean, one of the interesting things in that regard uh, is that. There were there were around hundred different characters in Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Now, I guess the presumption is that all of those characters are now going to be voiced. Mm. And, I mean, obviously some of I them are still so. going to be minor in the grand yeah. scheme of things. You might only speak to them for a very short period of time. Uh, an example of that would be Chocobo Bill and Chocobo yeah. Billy. Yeah. Um. But I mean, like, even with those two characters, they have such an opportunity to give them a ton of personality that they just couldn't give them in the original game. Yeah yeah so we just went on a massive tangent there i know um what do you what are your predictions around gameplay i think i touched on it before in terms of i'm expecting them to show like an in-depth walkthrough of about Mm -hmm. 10 to 15 minutes they may even have a demo for people to play and who are in attendance as well that that Mm -hmm. may be something they do um i think one of the rumors i saw was that after e3 they're going to put a demo live on on playstation network mm. i don't know if that's going to happen or not um it'd be nice so i mean that would make sense for them to go into a lot more detail around the gameplay if Nomura's there mm. there's going to be interviews yeah he's going to be talking a load yeah i mean as far as gameplay goes i would love it if they could show off tifa because i'm 
like obviously with with cloud you kind of like no okay well he's slashing whatever he has a sword great barrett he's gonna shoot things fantastic but with tifa she has such a different system in the sense that she's a monk so she has a lot of combos are they going to keep the combos in in the same way like how are those going to work with enemies or is it just going to be a a matter of button mashing yeah because obviously there's the two different components to her gameplay Mm. there's the standard kind of attack yeah uh, and then you've obviously got the slot machine like the limit break not slot Mm. machine but it was a a, a real wasn't it yeah it says hit miss are they going to have those mechanics in there? I mean, it could be similar to how they did Squall, actually. Mm. Because obviously with Squall, you had the, okay, are you going to hit? And then you got to do the gun. Uh, they could do something similar to that. So there's actually a skill component to her as a character. It'll also be cool to see her um, her combos in HD as well. Because, I mean, obviously, like you get a hint of it in Advent Children where you see her beat the crap out of Laws and then the crap beat out of her yeah um but like yeah i i'm really curious to see how they make that work within within the game because there really aren't any i mean there was uh was it eight that was a monk in uh type zero oh no i mean like recently because like there hasn't really been a lot of monks in the recent games has there there's a monk in um in type zero and obviously there's monk in uh Final Fantasy 14 but it's a bit of a different type of I mean snow as well thing. yeah yeah it's true snow in Final Fantasy 13 but yeah it'd be nice to see a monk again in in HD um I'm yeah. really interested to see if they go into the different systems mm. so whether or not they actually show how material is going to work Mm. whether they show how the kind of limit breaks um are going to work cuz I think I saw something one of the rumors was that the triangle move you see uh, is unique to each of the weapons, which is, I guess, a similar concept to what we saw in Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, so that's something they could talk into a bit more detail around. Uh, I, th- I think there's gameplay is obviously the the area where most people have concern because there's still a lot of people who are, are upset about the fact it's not turn-based anymore. Mm. And I feel like Nomura has a really big job on his hands to... To, to turn those guys around to make them feel as though yes okay it's not turn-based anymore but you're still gonna love this gameplay and that's obviously something i i, I mean it may be a situation like left for dead 2 where everyone's gonna boycott the game because of xyz but they still end up buying anyway yeah um yeah i mean i think with how things are at square enix especially it's kind of going to be it's going to be really hard for them to go back to um, a turn-based system. I mean, it's just not... It's just... Even though Final Fantasy is so big, it's still so niche, isn't it? And, like, turn-based JRPGs are so niche. They really want to try and get as many people as possible to play Final Fantasy VII. So it's just... un. I feel like it's just unrealistic to expect a turn-based system again i mean if final fantasy 15 i think we've talked about it before if final yeah. fantasy 15 hadn't happened the way it did yeah and it still ended up being versus 13 and uh final fantasy 15 would have then followed on 13 i would have thought which was still kind of pseudo turn-based mm-hmm. then i think we that things would have gone very differently 
the only way it's going to really happen now is by accident, I think. Yeah. Obviously, you've got the smaller projects they're working on. Uh, one of those may make it big. Like Octopath has kind of sprung up. Yeah. But obviously, it's the graphical style. Yeah. Like they're they're not the same. No, like Nomura. Yeah, we've talked about in the past the fact that like Tabata and Nomura are both, um, and Kitaze as well. I think to a degree both very much about the action RPG. And I think it works better with Nomura's style in the sense that, like, he's he's all about those fantastical sort of combos and and flowiness and all that stuff. Like, you can see it in Kingdom Hearts, the way well, that he I mean, prefers to have he, gameplay. The city was his dream, mm. essentially. And he there was the whole thing around the being the realization of Advent Children. Yeah, so if we're trusting him to have this underway, then it's going to be action, um, action RPG based because that's what he, that's just what his preference is. So in terms of the music, are you expecting them to reveal the composer? Well, it's weird because isn't Nobu still like heavily a part of it? Well, initially, obviously, when we went to the the final symphony, he was very clear that he was not involved. And yeah. he wasn't intending to be involved because even though I felt it was a bit BS, he said that he doesn't ever want to rearrange his own work, mm-hmm. even though he'd done that for the 10 <laughs> remaster. Yeah. Um, and he also said that he'd only do it if they offered him a boatload of cash, basically. Yeah. But then obviously, I think it was a year or two later, he said, yeah, I, I may be working on it. Yeah. So we still don't know as such, but I wouldn't have thought he would be the main composer. Mm. He may be there in a supervisory role just to make sure he may be doing arrangements of a couple of different tracks. Sure. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I would imagine like One Winged Angel. He's rearranged that. I mean, like, yeah, for Advent Children, like it's just such, it was such a weird thing to say. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know what they're going to do as far as, as far as tracks go. Because I feel like that that's the one thing that, is going to be hard to touch again. Like the gameplay, I'm sort of like I'm I'm I've come to terms with like the gameplay has to change, but the music, for some reason, I'm just kind of like it has to be like the original. But I don't think that's going to be work. It's not. It's not, and it's unrealistic. And I don't know why I feel that way. But I'm just kind of like I just need to know if it's going to be like they have to keep the themes. They I think yeah, there'll be Aerith there'll be theme. there'll be similarities in there, but just because of the way things are structured now, yeah, it's not gonna like you can. I don't think they're gonna be able to have the same like recurring tracks. And like if you think about how modern games work, like Final Fantasy VII remake is not gonna be like Kingdom Hearts three where they're gonna have area themes. They might they might have them in some regard, but I can see it being more like Uncharted, mm. where it's more like music comes in when something happens. And it's very thematic in like that incidental sense. incidental type yeah. of thing, yeah. So there are obviously, you'll get the character themes in there. Mm. Uh, but obviously, like, I mean, we don't know how the gameplay is going to work in terms of, is it still going to be random battles? Are enemies going to be walking around in open world? Because the last time they did that, Final Fantasy XII, um, obviously Final Fantasy XV, they did it too. But they had that, that th- there's the options, basically. Yeah. Final Fantasy XII, they had no battle music. They had boss battle music only. Final Fantasy 15, they had loads of different types of battle music and they had the kind of um, the interim battle music too, which is like, oh, you're on the cusp of battle, which they also had in uh, 13 too. Mm. So, I mean, there's options, but I mean like that, if they went down the 13, sorry, the 15 route, 15 had over like 20 
different pieces of battle music. Ridiculous numbers. Yeah. Final Fantasy VII had nowhere near as many as that. Yeah. It had one piece of music for battle. Yeah. And then there's loads of different battle. Oh, no, sorry. There was the Chocobo battle music as well. Mm. And they had a couple of like incidental, like if you're in the battle square, there's different pieces of music playing. Sometimes you get hurry as well. But the majority of the time, it's just fighting mm-hmm. and still more fighting. Yeah. I, I feel like in today's landscape, that's just not, it's not going to cut it. You yeah. can't have the same one track of battle music for, throughout the entire game. Yeah. No, no. That will be interesting to see what happens. Um, I mean, one thing I think that they definitely have to keep in is just the opening, like the opening bombing mission type thing. Like those sort of like tracks that just kind of are tied to events. I feel like they have to keep in. But I don't think that's even going to work. I feel like they may do like they've done in the teaser trailer where it's a a version of it that leads up to the event. Mm. But if you remember in the original game, the time limit was quite small. Mm-hmm. I don't think the time limit's going to be quite as small as... T- I mean, we don't know. Like, No. There's too many questions. There's too many questions. But the last question, Lauren, is... Will we get a release date? Hmm. I don't know. Like, I... I feel like it would still be too early to announce one, but then I don't know. I honestly don't. I... Well, there's the... Also, the reports that are coming out that one of the major titles for Square Enix is going to be, has been delayed. Like something, there's like some kind of delay going on. Yeah, and obviously the only two major games are Seven Remake and and Avengers. So, I don't know. I don't don't know. Like, I feel like it's too early because they haven't shown us enough. But there again, like, it wouldn't be, it, it wouldn't be too out of place for Square Enix to do that. They do like to announce things early. I mean, typically, if we're going based on history, Square Enix like to announce the release dates for their games about six months before. I mean, obviously, with uh, the Final Fantasy uh, 15 uh, unveiling at Uncovered, it was six months after. It happened in March. They were going to release in September, end up being pushed back to November, whatever. Kingdom Hearts as well. Did they, release, did they announce the release date at E3? They released it at, I think they released it at the concert. The On the on the cusp of E3? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And it was supposed to, obviously, Nomura wanted it to come out in December, mm-hmm. which is six months later. It ended up coming out in January. Um, so, I mean, if the game is going to come out in January or November even, then it would make sense for them to do the release date now. If it has mm-hmm. been delayed, I don't know a good opportunity for them to do it anywhere else, though. I mean, Gamescom is obviously in two months' time. Well, TGS. Uh, TGS, but TGS doesn't have the same worldwide appeal. No. I mean, like, no matter, like, obviously we can sit here in our privileged position and just say, no matter where they release it, everyone's going to care. But I don't think that's the case. It would make sense. Like, if they wanted to build up the hype, it would make sense for them to. And it would also be good for them to actually have a de- like a date in the diary that people can look forward to. They just need to make sure they don't do what they did with the Final Fantasy XV where they ruined everyone's plans. Final Fantasy VII uncovered. Um, Everybody takes off work. Yeah. Oh, crap. Never mind. No holiday. We actually had a somewhat related uh, question on this as well from uh, King Explosion Murder. He wanted to know, do you think them releasing in multiple parts is actually a good idea? Are they just milking the game? I don't know, really. Like, I think that that really is the main benefit, is that they would be able to polish 
fully polish both parts of the game. I think it's a smart it's a smart move so that they don't release a game that's sort of half done, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean like I do believe what they've been saying in terms of this is the only way they could make sure they didn't half ass it. Yeah. I mean, would I love it if it could come out as a full game initially? A hundred percent. I would love to be able to just play Final Fantasy VII Remake. But the reality of the situation is, is that this is a big game, was a big game at the time, is a big game now. And like, you know, it's just Final Fantasy, you could argue that Final Fantasy XV came out in parts because you had like the initial game and then they like kept sort of updating it with the dlc and royal edition to where you just sort of felt like it was in two parts like you have like part one and part two of of the final fantasy 15 adventure and you know if they just sort of have that as the thing to start with that okay guys we made the decision it's going to be in two parts i think that's much better than just releasing something and then having to fix it later. Agreed. And I, I'll go back to kind of my previous point in terms of them doing it this way really excites me from the perspective of it means we're going to get so much more narrative this time. Those smaller characters will actually get a role. Yeah. They'll actually have a role to play and we'll also yeah. get more exposition around the main characters too. Yeah, sure. There is a degree of finance in there. They are milking it. They are going to milk it. we're no doubt going to have cross-generation releases there's going to be a lot of stuff going on i mean katars has even talked about the fact they're going to be releasing spin-offs and all these other things to try and promote the fact that it's the seven remake guys give us your money but i i genuinely think that because there is so much on the line for them like if this game goes wrong it's going to be such an embarrassment yeah and that's why namura has taken such an intro like he he knows this can't screw up this is his shining light it's his big opportunity to show the world yeah i am a top tier game director even though i don't want to be yeah <laughs> like it's, it's his real opportunity to show that and like to say is also that square enix japan can still make top tier triple a games yeah and he hasn't been rushed i think that's the main thing like as far as I'm aware, he hasn't been rushed. They've been working on it for a long period of time. Kingdom Hearts 3 still felt like it was rushed, like towards the end. Yeah, definitely. You can tell there's kind of cracks in there. Um, but this game, hopefully, that's not the case. Like mm. they've given him the time to make a world class game. Yeah. We actually missed a question there, Lauren. Oh, no. Uh, on the music segment, Rachel wanted to know, uh, which I think is a question that you would be very in line with, whether or not they will include the option to switch between the old and new soundtracks like they did with the remasters. Um, I honestly, I don't know. I don't, I feel that they wouldn't just because like those were remasters, not remakes. So I would, I would feel like they, they wouldn't, it would be a nice little like ode. Like if they could do, if they could include the original, the original soundtrack but i really do feel like it would just be too weird for them to do that this way agreed i i don't think it's going to work especially if it if it's going to go how i think it does in terms of they're going to be adding a load new tracks yeah just i just don't think the scenes are going to match up anymore no okay so that kind of rounds things out we i said we had a lot of questions yeah um 
I think we're only going to have time for one. <laughs> but it does relate to the Seven Remake still um, because it's an interesting topic, actually. So Connor wanted to know our thoughts on the translation of dialogue that doesn't really translate that well. He gave the um, Sid and Barrett's excessive swearing as an example of that. But also, uh, you've got Nine from Type Zero. That was a character that really, really suffered from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Raijin is the older example of what Nine would have been if mm-hmm. there was voice acting. Yeah. Because for those who don't remember, um, like Nine had those kind of, like in, in uh, Japanese and other Asian languages, they have words at the end of phrases and sentences that don't yeah. really mean anything. They're more kind of like... Um, like an action or like an invoking thing it's like it's like it just extends it's like an extension of what you're saying like sorry it's like that's really 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 cool like but the ne at the end is what makes it sound like oh my god it's really 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 cool as opposed to that's yeah it's just like an extra descriptor on the end that helps change the like the the meaning of what's said before sorry i just completely like just it's okay lauren we're not japanese i know it is sugoi so yeah like i see nine had that issue because i think in the past the localization teams had done a good job to kind of cut those things out because in the western world it doesn't mean the same thing whereas with nine um Irana Kaba really struggled with it because they kept like no one told him not to say like you know yeah, at the end yo, of every sentence yo. yeah like yo and like these kind of things and like like it just doesn't work the same way it's like oh how you going yo yeah that was so cool yo it just doesn't like we it, wouldn't it say sounds, that yeah it just sounds awkward because it's just not the way that we it's not the way that we construct our sentences I'm hoping that whoever is directing the Seven Remake is able to keep in everything that is true within the Japanese because I don't want a situation again like we have with the original Seven mm. and with Eight and with all these other games and even Final Fantasy Fifteen, where the English, the Japanese, the German and the French all say different things yeah. in the same scenes. Well, there's that, there's that. But then there's also this thing where I'm... I'm sort of noticing more and more with the later games is when they try to do like really sophisticated English, but it just sounds as if somebody was just sitting there with a thesaurus and thinking, this sounds like a really exquisite, a really um, posh way of saying this phrase. So we're just going to go with the posh way instead of going with the way that actually makes sense and is actually the way that people speak. Is that like sort of old, it's not old English because it's not, it doesn't have like the TH at the end or like doesn't sound like Shakespeare, but it's just, it just sounds like it's very heightened, heightened English. And I just wish that they wouldn't do that. Like people don't even sort of official people, whatever, they don't speak that way in America yeah, or I mean, in England. It only works if it's like the character's trait. Yeah. If it's a tra- character trait, like Ignis, like Ignis would say things like that. But like, yeah, oh, it just irked me so much when they would just say things. I, I can't think of any at the moment, but in Final Fantasy 15, there were certain certain things that they would say 
that just didn't make sense and they were just really overcomplicated. The English was just so overcomplicated that I was just like, all it needed was just some dumbing down and it would have made more sense. So yeah, I really, yeah, it would be great if the Japanese writers, whoever it is who's in on the like sort of um, the voice acting in America or in in the West, I should just say, let trust trust the English the well, English director a bit. There more. needs to be it's it's a hard balance because mm-hmm. obviously you want the director to say like no, this is how it says in English. But then you also need to have like it's a, it's a bit of both. Yeah. Because you, I don't want another situation like fifteen where it's like, okay, so is Arden Izunia? Is he cut? Like no one knows because in the different versions of the games has different. They, they say different things. The sentences are different. Mm-hmm. Like it's just really confusing. I just there needs to be trust in the different language versions of the game that they all say the same thing. In terms of the, what are you actually trying to say? What are the, what is the factual content mm-hmm. of this phrase? That needs to be one hundred percent maintained. How you say it can then be localized, mm-hmm. but the actual content needs to be one hundred percent the same across every single version. Like the same sentiment needs to be conveyed. Like, mm-hmm. is this character's name X Y Z? Yes, it is. Yeah. That needs to be the fact that is conveyed. Yeah. How you say that then needs to be localized. I think it is part of, part of the issue with the way that they do games in the sense that they're not all in the same room when they record. Like, I feel like when you're all in the same room, you can have these discussions with each other and then you're all kind of on the same page as far as like what, how you're all going to agree to say something. Well, I mean, we the... had that with... Uh, type zero where everybody was saying the character uh, names differently yeah 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 all the character names differently if they were all in the same room at least like the the main characters they probably would be able to get rid of errors like that and probably also had more ideas about how to say things um in a way that works better yeah i guess the other thing as well is that Generally, when they're doing these recordings, they are done in LA. Yeah. And so if they do have Japanese representation, it's never physical representation. Mm. They're generally like on the phone or doing as like a video conference. So again, it's that disconnect. Yeah. And they're kind of reliant on each other to to make sure it works. Yeah. And yeah, like, I don't know. I, I have to have faith that they'll they'll put it through. I mean, like, I don't know why it ended up being such an issue with 15. Mm. Because 13, as far as I'm aware, didn't have those problems. And I know now, looking back, some people have issues with 13's direction. But it was really good. Like, yeah. the voice acting in 13 was was really good. Yeah, agreed. The, the reason why this actually relates to the 7 Remake, though, is that they have now released the English and Japanese version of the teaser trailers. Yes. And there are already differences. Yeah. In in terms of the phrasing, like the, the interactions with Cloud and Aerith, for example, in the English version, he speaks. In the Japanese version, he doesn't. So which <laughs> is it supposed to be? Like, Yeah. Yeah. No, um, it's like that. It's the thing where she just asks him, like, uh, are, are you, you okay? okay? And yeah, in the Japanese version, he just grunts. It's like, yeah. But then that's the thing. Like, I mean, we have different ways of conveying ourselves. And I think Japan, there's a lot more grunting. <laughs> it sounds really <laughs> bad. 
Well, they they do. They it's they more do, in the mannerisms and stuff. There there's a lot more there's a lot more grunts and a lot more um a lot more noises that they do in their regular speech. Like a lot of the times, you can see it when they interview Tabata that he's just constantly going um um mm, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah and it's like I'm, I'm not trying to be like funny or whatever, but like it is it is like a legitimate thing that they that is how they speak. That is that is something that they they do when they're communicating whereas us like if so, if you were like oh are, are you okay and somebody just responded with oh it, it just wouldn't it wouldn't make sense it wouldn't be it, you probably come off looking quite rude really and then maybe that's what what cloud was doing anyway but like i feel like it's it's more socially acceptable to answer with words rather than a grunt. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So I think that there's there's going to be differences. It's just that they have to make sense for the character in the different in the different parts of the world. Yeah, but on that note, I think it's time for us to round this episode out because we've been almost going an hour. <sighs> That's it's a long crazy. episode for us. I know, but. There's just a lot to say about there Final is, Fantasy VII. There is so much to say. And the funny thing is, we know nothing. <laughs> we know next to nothing. Yeah. Maybe that's why we've got so much to talk about. I know. Uh, so our music this episode is also from Final Fantasy VII. It's an arrangement of Judgment Day, which is one of my favorite Ooh, tracks from yes. the original soundtrack. And that's what it like, you know, if we want to talk about the music, I really hope that they do convey a lot of the themes from the original game, because I think that's something that obviously is going to be really, it, it was one of the main reasons why people like Seven, because the soundtrack was so uh, integral to everything. The themes, whether they were the character themes, the place themes, the fighting and stuff, like there were, there were a lot of emotional connections there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so Judgment Day... Uh, so this arrangement is actually by the Celestial Aeon Project. They like to try and reorchestrate the original tracks uh, and kind of put their own unique spin on it. Um, and Judgment Day, obviously, Lauren alluded to. Yeah, like it's it's a track that I, I really enjoy. Um, I think it also has a really uh, big place in a lot of other people's hearts as well. I don't particularly know why. It's just really good thematically. One of the things I do love about the track, though, is that they integrated... Well, I say they. Uematsu integrated uh, Eris theme into Judgment Day. It's very subtle in there. I still remember probably... Uh, I must have been well over 10 years ago now. We used to, uh, on, on forums, we used to do soundtrack reviews. And so it would be... It's really, I don't know, it's kind of weird now. But basically, we would go through uh, each of the game's soundtracks and then a new person would get to review each of the track on the soundtrack. So you couldn't review two tracks in a row. Yeah. Uh, And then it would kind of be like, okay, so this track's done. I've got dibs on the next one. (laughs) And when it came on to Judgment Day, it was I had the opportunity to, to review it. And when we were doing these reviews, it was around, okay, so what's the thematic qualities of this, like talking about the different instrumentation usages and all these kind of things. And I like, I had this light bulb moment. I was listening to it. And I was like, oh my God, Eris themes in this. This is so, this is such good symbolism and like the use of themes. But other people couldn't see it. And I was thinking, well, is it there? Like, yeah. am I just really, am I seeing something that I want to see? Yeah. 
But now, having listened back many many times, no, it definitely is there. It's just, yeah, it's just subtle. It's very subtle. And I think that's one of the things that I really enjoy about the track. It's just subtle. It's also, I'd say, very different in terms of the um, the tone compared to a lot of the other tracks on the soundtrack. Mm. Like it's got, I don't know. It's just, it's just a lot. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it. You really feel the energy of the final battle and. Yeah, I'm really stoked for how they're actually going to incorporate something like that in the in the remake. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So Jen. the next episode of Final Fantasy is, is scheduled to come out in two weeks' time after E3. That could be a crazy episode for us. Yeah, could be very crazy. A um, lot of hype. Of course, if you want to listen to it, subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes Store. And be sure to check out all our news coverage of E3 at FinalFantasyUnion.com. And remember, if you really enjoy what we do, feel free to support us at Patreon. Our address is patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. And with that, it's time for us to say goodbye. Bye, everyone. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production. <laughs>